Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover personal journeys behind their work, explore options from indie to traditional publishing, and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. I'm Katherine Taylor, your host. This show is the show that tells you the stories behind the stories and gives you the wonderful opportunity to meet the authors. And you can find all my shows on YouTube at Katherine Taylor TV. So please check it out and subscribe. Now, today, my guest was born in Newfoundland, Canada, and you know that's where this show originates, in Newfoundland, but he was raised in France and came into his own as an author while living near a 12th century abbey in rural England. Almost sounds like a romance. (laughs) He's an attorney by day and a speculative fiction author by night penning novels and short stories in adult science fiction, which is a lifelong passion for him. I'd like you to meet my guest, and I'm going to bring him up in the screen now. And here he is. Hi, Jay. Hello, hello. How are you? Now, um, here I am in Newfoundland. I mentioned that, and you are across the way over in France, actually. Yep, just uh, not uh, rural England, but just, you know, countryside, just outside Paris. Uh, had a trip to this ancient, this amazing old ruined tower there today. So not 11th century Abbey, this was more like a 9th century fort. But anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's all inspiring. And I love the way that with the virtual platform, I can connect with people all over the world. And thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for the invitation. Now, speaking of technology, your novels whisk us away to the future where technology is a little bit scary. Um, the books we're going to talk about, Always Greener and The Rude Eye of Rebellion. But before we get into the books, I really want to ask you, what is speculative fiction? That was a new term for me, and it may be for our viewers. Yeah, speculative fiction or specfic is uh, a bit of an umbrella term, to be fair. You could say it covers science fiction, fantasy, horror as well. Basically, anything where you are uh, exploring uh, possibilities, alternatives to uh, reality, essentially. Whether that's in a fantasy setting, whether that's in a near future or far future science fiction setting, whether it's in present day, uh, urban fantasy or contemporary horror works or anything like that, where um, the rules of reality are different, basically. Mm. And speaking of reality, reality is a big part of your, your first book, Always Greener, and something that we're all caught up in today, and especially with this news of the writer's strike, uh, the American Writers uh, Association, is it? Well, the union, Writers Guild. Union of America. Yeah, they are on strike. So that's how a lot of the reality shows came to be back when they mm-hmm. had a strike. I think it was around 2003. So we might be seeing a, a lot more of reality TV coming up. But you took that idea and you took it into your book in a way that 
makes us look at ourselves a little bit and wonder how caught up are we in this? Um, just tell me a little bit about what inspired you um, to write about this and about the novel. I'm going to bring the covers up uh, while, we, uh, while we're talking about them. There we yeah. go. Uh, well, funnily enough, you're absolutely right. I wrote uh, the first draft of the messy, sprawling manuscript, which then, under the uh, caring uh, editorial attention of um of rick lewis who was at the time uh my editor and my publisher uh, out of tennessee in the states uh and who is now actually my agent after uh, a professional uh, reconversion on his part and i'm very thankful for it anyway what then became these two novels with massive massive editorial uh, care and uh instructions and work on both of our uh, on both of our parts um but yeah it was just after that wave that i wrote it so it was in 2000 i don't know uh, mid 2000s basically that i started mm -hmm. writing this in england again in that sort of very rural area but at the time i was traveling between uh so rural england and Paris and the National Assembly of Paris, where uh, I worked at the time as parliamentary assistant and then became secretary general of a parliamentary group for a few years. Uh, and so I was doing a lot of traveling. And when I was in Paris, obviously, I was directly into the sort of power uh, mechanics and balances uh, of, our, of our modern Western societies and so, mm -hmm. uh, and how a lot of it is very ridiculous, essentially. And so I felt the need uh, to write uh, something about how where we were, even though it's pro projected into a nearest future in the 2070s, uh, but very much is talking about where our societies are today, where we're headed, to make as much fun of that as possible, even though a lot of it is very dark, um, but also fundamentally investigate and speculate, which is that speculative fiction again, about where uh, where the paths may be for us to propose something else and to get out of these uh, and to rise above the challenges that uh, we have been facing and, and will most likely be facing in the in the near future. Yeah, and in the book, you you explore how kind of the willingness of people to sacrifice privacy, oh. the control of their lives in exchange for technology and a few minutes of fame. Mm. I mean, this, this truly is kind of... <laughs> an epidemic these days a number of shows and, and going inside rooms to have a look mm. at people and their interactions it's, it's everywhere but you take it a step farther in always greener and yep. um you know you push it a bit but you do it using satire and, and, and humor and so talk a little bit about your approach to to writing it that way where you're trying to soften it a little bit for us yeah, I mean, humor uh, being, you know, especially at the time, I was massively immersed into Terry Pratchett and, and Douglas Adams. And so I, I don't think I could write without having that sort of Mary Poppins-esque spoonful of sugar of humor uh, that helps the medicine of the message, or at least the mm -hmm. dark themes that you're investigating and the possible solutions uh, to those, you know, to help that go down. Uh, I mean, for me, so it's, uh, yes, taking it to the extreme, which is what satire does. Um, in this case, it's, you know, technology that allows 
everybody in the world to see through the eyes of all these contestants in this reality TV show and everybody trying to prove that they have the worst life and they're the world's biggest victim and therefore the most deserving of recognition as victims. Um, which is, you know, uh, I found a, an interesting conceit both to have humor, but also to have um, uh, basically a framing device to go into all these different lives, uh, uh, ourselves as readers through the eyes of the main character, who is the host of the show, uh, sometimes unwillingly, and, uh, and through his eyes into all these lives of all the different contestants, basically. So that was, uh, I think, a relatively effective framing device uh in that respect and so to have that humor but also to have the more fundamental uh questions about our political economic uh social organization and what to my mind is effectively the only uh viable solution or i hope is a viable solution uh to rise above uh all of our current problematics which is some form of more direct democracy uh, and that's effectively what Always Greener and the the General Buzz series, which uh, which it, the two novels are part of, and the third one's coming out soon, out of a six book projected series, um, is starting where we are. That's Always Greener, Root Eye Rebellion, and then investigating maybe how we could lead towards something else in a credible fashion. Mm -hmm. And. Actually, you do. You mentioned the series, so you've got book three written or in the. Oh in no! The process? Book three is is well polished and on its way out the door. Hopefully, with a release in the next couple of months from uh, from Engine uh, Engine Books, who have uh, uh, gracefully accepted to take on the series. Both always green and Rudai Rebellion get them back out and carry on with the series uh, following the unfortunate uh, closure of my uh, my original publisher in the States. And uh, I'm very grateful and very happy to be working with them. Uh, yeah, so that's, this is book three. Uh, this is the good part <laughs> because uh, it's all a bit tongue in cheek, but this is the good part because this is where we actually uh, have that coming to fruition of this uh, rebellion and the system change leading to uh, the beginnings of a direct democracy and what that looks like. So that's why this is the good part is the title. Uh, very much looking forward to uh, reactions to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and three more books in the series after that, uh, which are already largely drafted and plotted. So working on uh, working hard on book four currently. In between, and, uh, in between being a, a lawyer. <laughs> in between being a lawyer, obviously, and uh, yeah. dad of three and, and many other things, but yeah. Well, a couple of things that I want to mention, I do want to mention Engine Books and Matt LaDrew because they're a Newfoundland-based publisher and it's quite amazing for the, the population we have here on the island and which is really roughly half a million people. How many fantastic publishers we have. It's crazy. I think about it. And the books that come across my, my desk and it, it's almost impossible to believe for a province like this of this size and you've ended up with matt and angie which such is such a great fit because mm. your material is his material and he very much you know he knows how to market it yep. and which is why you landed here <laughs> yep. and um i think it's such a good fit and your agent is still there i guess i think all writers and that's when this show really took off was because when we hit covid it took away those opportunities for writers and even publishing houses to make sales and to reach the readers. Absolutely. And a huge part of what I did during that period was reach out to authors to say, 
here is a platform you can be on and we'll let people know that you're still writing and still producing things. So it is very nice to see to see you here with Engine Books. But you mentioned how your former editor is now your agent. Yes. So talk a little bit about agents because writers out there, um, maybe readers want to know, hmm. why an agent? Why do you need an agent? Yeah. I do a fair amount of uh, mentoring actually uh, within different uh, sort of you know, writer volunteer organizations or as part of conventions uh, and as part of SIFWA, Science Fiction Writers, uh, Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association, um, originally based in the US of America, but also with a very broader um, membership. And, and I'm chair of the international committee there. Uh, they're the ones who organize the nebulas, give out the, uh, you know, uh, the nebula awards, etc. cetera, uh, among many other things that they do for the community. And, um, uh, as part of those mentorships, yeah, that, that's very much one of the main questions that comes up. Uh, you know, should I try and go down the very uh, brutal selection process of querying, mm -hmm. going to the query trenches, as we call it, to try and get an agent, or should I consider self-publishing, which is obviously an extremely unquestionably valid route as well, and more and more so, uh, or some sort of hybrid uh, situation as well, you know, big presses, small presses, et cetera, et cetera. Many questions from a professional point of view. With regards to agents, why, uh, why go through all that massive uh, struggle of getting one in the first place mm -hmm. when they are the first doorkeepers? It's because, uh, basically, yeah, that is the, the way, especially in science fiction fantasy, uh, but not just, um, the way the industry is set up is that all the uh, traditional publishing houses um, rely on agents to be that first level of uh, selection in a way and are effectively are only open, 99% of them are only open uh, except very rare occasions to agent inquiries. So you need to have an agent to have done work with the agent, first of all, to have you know, been selected and accepted by the agent, signed an agency contract to have done the work, get it in uh, the, the condition, get the manuscript in the condition, in the shape that it needs to be uh, to that professional standard, then only then with your agent, do you submit it to uh, an editor and a publishing house. Uh, this is for obviously the big name publishers. Mm -hmm. um, certain publishers can open uh, certain windows from time to time, certain smaller presses, uh, can also open uh, to an agent to queries, but um, largely you need an agent to hope to see your book with a large publisher, to hope to see it in what we call brick and mortar, uh, you know, on the shelves in bookstores, whether, you know, Barnes & Noble in the States, Chapters, Indigo, Canada, whatever. Uh, yeah, not promoting anybody. There are loads and I love no, no. to bookstores, but um, I, I always try and do my signings and events there as well when I can. But uh, yeah, so anyway, if you want to see your book on shelves, you need to be with them essentially. Yeah. Um, in, yeah. In the industry, I, I think this is one of the biggest dilemmas for new writers coming in. How do you get through that door? How, how do you get to the level where an agent will look at you. It, 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 it surely is a very difficult thing. And organizations such as the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association, in my case, it was Romance Writers of America, different organizations can offer a great deal of support. Absolutely. And you're very active there as well um, with different organizations and conferences. Talk a little bit 
how, how has that helped you? Well, that ties in directly to what you said before about COVID as well and about the mm -hmm. very existence of this show, because unfortunately for me, again, I'm not sort of trying to be like one of the contestants in the book, but uh, Always Greener, Rudire Rebellion and the series as a whole was probably one of the biggest victims of COVID in terms of publishing, uh, because uh, unfortunately Always Greener came out, uh, was you know launched in March 2019. 2020, sorry, no, sorry, 2020, mm -hmm. sorry, yeah, so right before uh, COVID hit, the restrictions, we had, um, I was very lucky through, you know, the distribution uh, that we had uh, quite a few books on the shelves in, again, I'm not quoting any comfort names, but in large uh, distributors and bookshops in, uh, in Canada. In the U.S., unfortunately, not so much, even though initially we had a very large order uh, with Barnes & Noble, but uh, that completely fell through. Those books stayed in, you know, hundreds of them stayed in uh, an Ingram warehouse in, uh, I think, in Nashville, or, you know, and, and ended up just being sort of you know, sold off as best possible to recoup costs. I mean, it's 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 terrible, but you know that completely mm -hmm. fell through. And so, so all that to say that to try and compensate for that in any way, I heavily invested time and effort into uh, the virtual scene that then rose. In fact, I got to do my first uh, WorldCon, which is the big the big uh, global uh, science fiction convention every year, the one that votes uh, and uh, awards the, the Hugo Awards, uh, among others. Um, I got to do my first one, which was based in New Zealand, which I never would have gone to physically as much as I absolutely love to, but as a new, as a debut author, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, but I got to be there virtually because the event was entirely virtual. They did a fantastic job just, you know, uh, pivoting to, to address that. I got to actually speak on different panels to do, uh, cafe clutches as they call them, you know, different you know, small group events, all sorts of things. It was fantastic. Um, and since then, I've been trying to yes, be part of all these uh, or as many of these events as possible. I think particularly, you know, if we're coming from Newfoundland or from Canada in general, um, being able to participate virtually in certain events that might be based in the States, might be based elsewhere, uh, can be a very big opportunity. And mm -hmm. uh, so whether it's relatively small ones, um, Right Hive, right with a W, obviously, um, has been organized fantastic conferences with loads of support for newer authors as well. And so I've presented workshops there uh, uh, all the way up to events like Worldcon, like I said, or like the Nebulas, which are the ones organized by Sifwell, uh, still on the screen, just over there. Um, and so we have one coming next week, actually, to this year's mm -hmm. uh, Nebula convention. And I'm uh, uh, speaking on and moderate and as well as moderating a panel there on uh, legal uh, systems in science fiction and fantasy and how wow. basically to use them from a world building point of view to explore possibilities other than the status quo um, and what you can do there for me with a heavy emphasis on uh, both what I want to write about and what I hope we might see someday, which is more of a direct democracy uh, within our, our political and legal systems. Well, I, a couple of things through what you were just saying that came up and you mentioned the Hugo Awards and I wanted to uh, mention that you were longlisted for that and as well the uh, Astounding Award for Best New Science Fiction Writer. So that must have felt just incredible and then to be hit with COVID, to pull it all down, you, you know, it, it must have been hard, but, you know, it's so great early in a career, you just put out a book and then you have this form of recognition um, yep. and validation yeah. because you know we want, we want to know that. We want to be validated as writers. It must have felt good. 
Well, I mean, hopefully it's it's just that, you know, that sort of uh, recognition, if it can help get, you know, the book in front of more eyes and more brains, uh, you know, that's that's the only real merit of it. And then, you know, have more of a discussion around the ideas um, as well as hopefully entertain and, and, you know, get a few chuckles along the way, then all the better. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's awesome, obviously. Uh, especially last year, which was my last year of eligibility for the uh, Sounding Award uh, for mm -hmm. Best New Writer. You know, I was so close to actually being on the ballot and being nominated. That was a little bit, you know, great. But, you know, at the same time, you know, you can't help but think, you know, eh, a smidgen more. But anyway, uh, yeah. no, no, obviously it's, it's just... fantastic. And especially then, yeah, to be long listed alongside, you know, names that I've, you know, been reading for ages and people that are, objectively you know amazing writers to be there with uh for the uh the hugo award for best novel i mean yes that's that's obviously uh yeah something uh that i never really expected but that as uh, uh that was that was pretty neat shockingly surprising and, and <laughs> you know they're really astounding like the other award but you know at a very personal level in this case and and yeah a great honor well it's encouraging those those awards give you a chance to say hey people are liking what i'm writing let's keep at this and you m mentioned as well you're doing the workshop on legal aspects but how does that influence your writing being a lawyer um massively yeah. um not that i'm well these novels aren't i have one that is also written that by uh, published and my agent's going to be taking on submission very soon to uh, all the big publishing houses, uh, which is a legal thriller, which is directly linked to uh, to uh, to being a lawyer and so on. Uh, so a science fiction legal thriller. Uh, but um, in the case of these novels, it's more that there are legal, political themes and ideas and consequences. I mean, as, as I say in all these workshops and so on, um, because it's the first thing they tell you at law school is that you know everything is law uh, yes. in latin uh uh be uh, where there is society there will be law there has to be law mm -hmm. uh so effectively yeah uh, just buying a loaf of bread from a shop you're not aware of it but you're entering into a contract and a contract that relies on all sorts of things uh commercial contracts systems labor law uh you know money law a, a thousand different areas uh, for that exchange to even be able to happen in the first place um and so it's it's you know in terms of world building like anything it's the iceberg theory that you know what you see that tiny tip that you see and that's very appropriate nowadays without going into any funnily named ones that going down uh uh bay southway if i'm not mistaken but anyway um <laughs> that um uh you see the tip of the iceberg uh, mm -hmm. But it implies, even if you don't see it, a, a much larger amount of world building, you know, beneath the waterline. So um, uh, what you you have to be as a writer, you have to be aware of what's underneath the water, or at least vaguely aware of it. You don't have to have everything fleshed out, but enough that uh, that bit that you do see is credible. And you know, by putting that tiny bit in, you don't need to put in a hundred pages of world building and exposition. Uh, that bit speaks for the rest, or at least speaks enough for the the magic of the story and the world building to carry on. Absolutely, and that that what you've just said there is what we all struggle with as writers. How do we do that? You made it sound very concise, but uh, that's where you sweat <laughs> many times, late at night, early it's in the morning. 
Yeah. And speaking of that, how do you plan your writing days? How do you get your writing in? I mean, you're very busy. You're traveling. You're um, you're you're working intensely. And so how, how does your writing fit into all of that? Uh, and the traveling point is interesting. A lot of, uh, especially what went into Always Greener, uh, a lot of it was written in uh airport bathroom stalls <laughs> among <laughs> other places uh you know small private uh corners uh and hotel rooms and whatnot but um globally no I, I write more sort of uh almost as a bit of a reward at the end of the day of the end of the work day that's when i find that things work well for me you know so obviously i'm i'm you know essentially self-employed and, and uh, very free with my time but you know, come four or five, six, you know, at the end of a relatively satisfactory workday, have accomplished the goals for the day, then, you know, I can say, okay, that's great. And now, you know, I can sink into, you know, an hour, two, three, whatever writing session and possibly some more later, but, you know, big pot of tea, you know, green tea or something. And then, uh, and then, you know, start, uh, start banging away at the keyboard. Yeah. It's, uh, the, the world of a writer, it takes a lot of discipline. It's a lot of time with yourself, you, yourself, and I, me, myself, and I. <laughs> it is, and, and oh, your yeah. mind. Uh, but you do take time to have a bit of fun on, this is one of your platforms I want to share share yes. with people. Yeah, the maybe, main one. Yeah, the main one. You like to be on Twitter, which I think is a, is a fit. What I know of that platform and what I yeah. know of you, I see it as a very good fit. Yeah, science fiction um, fantasy community is quite big uh, yeah. on, on, on Twitter, uh, regardless of anything else. Um, it's still today uh, a very, uh, very important part of, of any, I think, uh, science fiction fantasy writers platform. And, and simply just that, you know, I've, a lot of great authors over the years I actually started on Twitter. I created a Twitter account for the first time to be part of this event. Sadly, they just ended, but uh, it was called... Um, uh, shoot, sorry. Uh, writers' event, uh, pitch, pitch wars. Thank you. Sorry, oh, pitch, pitch wars. wars. Uh, okay. which was which is amazing. And that's so I created uh, that was right off of Twitter. Where uh, and it wasn't just obviously that was open to all. You might have know about it in in all sorts of areas where agented professional authors uh, would sort of give back in a way and would select tutor uh, certain um, uh, selected manuscripts a manuscript or multiple manuscripts uh, from, you know, their own sort of, you know, query trenches, uh, but then to accompany them to uh, submissions to agents and to try and, and get agents for those mentees. Uh, I just recently uh, was a mentor in sort of the, uh, the newer equivalent of that that started up, uh, and I really enjoyed the experience as well. So, uh, you know, I learned so much uh, from that experience, even though I, with Pitch Wars, I was never selected as a mentee at the time, but uh, just being part of that community and making those links with different authors and seeing mm -hmm. all the information industry experience they were sharing. Uh, effectively, I don't know how else I could have learned the ropes simply because, you know, there is no, even though there are lots of resources online, but, you know, to actually know how it works and to get that uh, minimum experience you need to even know uh, how to how to write a query and how to submit and how that works and what expectations are um, and to have any chance really of, of getting any traction uh, very very grateful for uh, for the for that opportunity uh, wow. and that was all on Twitter wow and that's a great tip 
<laughs> That's very interesting that it was done through social media. So we're just coming to to a wrap here. I've just popped your, your book covers up again uh, to remind people. And thank you so much for what you've shared today. Thank you for being, I think, my first sci-fi guest, I'm thinking, which right. is great. And stay in touch. Let us know when the other books come out. I'm sure I'll hear from Matt. Absolutely. And to everyone, yeah. Out there, these um, guys have just been re released uh, through Engine, so uh, definitely pick them up wherever good books are sold, and also these ones. Yeah. But, um, yeah, absolutely, and the new one should be out in the next couple of months. And uh, carry on from there for the series, and also for oh, again, one my last other works. thing I have to pop up here as we close. Wait, now gotta go in the right direction. Here it is, it was a picture of you that I thought was very mysterious, very intriguing. I wanted it to be part of this show, so on that note we shall end. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jay. And thank you to everyone for joining us today on Let's Get Writing. And we'll see you again soon. Bye now. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.